Welcome to the Hospitality Maverick podcast with me, Michael Tinkser. We at Hospitality Mavericks are here to inspire leaders to create heart-centered and profitable businesses from the inside out, the kind to both employees and customers love and support. Thanks to BizSimply for sponsoring this episode as our show partner. And BizSimply is the all-in-one HR, workforce management, road and operations software designed and built by hospitality experts to make every shift run like clockwork. And we join forces to help the industry to find new ways to become even more innovative in how we lead our people, how we operate, to how we grow our businesses, to how we serve our customers. Together, we want to share strategies and tools that can make the industry thrive long-term, not just survive. Physical accessibility and digital accessibility are very different. And digital accessibility has a much wider reach because again, we're talking about people with ADHD, epilepsy, dyslexia, colorblindness. People don't understand that people with these disabilities struggle to use the web. Trembling hands, short-term memory loss. It's 25% of the population worldwide. And in the US, the spending power of people with disabilities, the disposable is $654 billion. This is Denise Payne, founder and CEO of Access Design Studio. Access Design Studio is a leading expert in creating compliant and accessible websites that generate lots of leads and boost sales for hospitality businesses. They are on a bigger mission than just building great websites that your customers will rave about. They advocate for people with disabilities. They believe everyone deserves access to the experiences that makes life vibrant. And in this conversation, Denise shares her incredible journey, purpose, mission, and why she spent her entire life advocating for people with disabilities. We also learn great strategies to ensure our website gets compliant, ensures better customer experience, and boosts hospitality businesses' income. We dive into our journey as an entrepreneur, and she shares some valuable learnings on how to bounce back when things get tough. If you liked today's episode, it will mean the world to me if you can leave a review on our show that can be done on our website, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. The better reviews, the better guests, and ultimately, better learning for you. Enjoy today's conversation. Today, we will um, go into a conversation that's not like a typical conversation I normally would engage in, but not before Denise, as the guest today, reached out to me and actually thought this is super interesting as we actually are trying now in, in, in tough times for our industry to actually find better ways to generate revenue through our website because the website is often the first touch point when people check us out and what we're up to and we actually forget sometimes the power of that but also the disadvantage when you don't think about the whole audience and actually how they actually need to consume information and actually also they actually feel that you're actually welcoming them even through their the website from, from the first touch point so with that said I would like to welcome you Denise, to, to the show. I'm very happy we finally got here and have this conversation. Thank you so much, Michael. And I appreciate that you appreciate what it means that we're talking about today, how important it is. 
Yeah, and 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 for for people, maybe so we put a bit more meat about my my maybe a bit more fluffy introduction around this because it would be great to hear you know your story, Denise, but also your story about why you set up you know uh, Access Design Studio. Well, so I had had a web design agency for twenty years, and then during the pandemic, we were all online. We were all living online. It was what it was our lifeline, right? So what became really apparent, even louder than, than normal, is that people with disabilities did not have equal access to the web. And I'm not talking about just, we think of disabilities, right? We think of blind or deaf or in a wheelchair, which of course it includes, but I'm talking about people with ADHD or dyslexia, colorblindness, low vision, low hearing, et cetera. And so it, it, you know, it struck me during the pandemic, this, this inequity, and I have a brother who's disabled. And so I have, you know, he is the most amazing human being. And he's the reason that I, you know, was a Special Olympics volunteer and and ran a camp for kids with disabilities and a, another camp, you know, various camps, worked my whole life with people with disabilities. So it started coming to me. I have a, I've had a web design agency for 20 years. We've worked with hundreds of hospitality businesses. I have a dream team and I have a lifelong experience of people with disabilities. So the not logical next step was start focusing on accessible web design web a web design so that everybody can use the web no matter your no matter your ability and what what is it like you know your 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 mission what mission are you on because it seems like that you had like many others in the pandemic you have these transformative moments where we just say this is the the way I'm gonna do. This is what I need to serve now. But what what is your ambition with this? Because you, of course, you want to make sure that every website in the world, I guess, is better. So um, it's really twofold. One is, I mean, equal access is the you know is the overarching arching mission, right? But we are the hospitality industry's accessibility ally, digital accessibility ally, and we are advocates for people with disabilities, with the goal, of course, being equal access for everybody. And and could you talk a bit about like, um, you know, how, how do you do that then when it comes to your website and what have you maybe done with, with, with some of your clients because of equal accessibility, what do actually, what does that mean? And how did that actually physical transform into my website? What is it that I'm missing if I was like an operator? What should I, what, what is I'm actually missing? What, I thought our website is quite good and there was like, maybe there's like even some voice on it and so on. But what is really the thing you are, you are seeing the gaps out there and you addressing with your clients? Well, there are standards and they're called the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, WCAG. And the current standard is WCAG 2.1 AA. And they outline, there are 50, 50 standards, um, each one with kind of sub-standards. And they outline the ways in which we can make sure that everybody can use the web as it's meant to be used. And so for a couple of examples, because it is a really, co- it's an odd concept. Like, you know, I've heard so many people say things like, well, anybody can get on my website. Like, you know, we don't get it. So just to give some really like low hanging fruit examples, right? There are a lot of times we'll put, <clears throat> let's say in the in the header of a website, there's often an image or even a video. And then we'll put text over that, right? We'll put some copy and it's usually maybe it's your, you know, it's something to grab the attention. Well, a lot of times the contrast between that text, maybe we put white text, but maybe the background image is like a wave and a sunset and it's got various colors. 
So there's not enough contrast between that text and that image so that maybe people with low vision, they can't read that. And, I, and I'm not talking about people, I'm talking about a lot of older adults have low vision, right? Just an age-related kind of, you know, thing that happens. Or people with diagnosable, like, you know, low vision. So that's a really sort of um, easy to get your head around example. There are lots of examples, but that's one. It's making sure there's enough contrast so that everybody can see what they need to see on a website. Well, what is the, you know, you're thinking like in a business context, what is the opportunity here? Because you were thinking, well, the majority of people can access my website. So I need to focusing on the 20% that gives 80% if you really put your, your business CEO hat on. But, but what actually, what are people, are people missing out on something here? Is there like opportunities just pure commercially to be really starting reflecting on these things? Yes. Thank you for asking that question. Because first of all, what we want to understand is that 25% of the population has a registered disability. Physical accessibility and digital accessibility are very different. And digital accessibility has a much wider reach. Because again, we're talking about people with ADHD, epilepsy, dyslexia, colorblindness. People don't understand that people with these disabilities struggle to use the web. Trembling hands, short-term memory loss. It's 25% of the population worldwide. And in the U.S., the spending power of people with disabilities, the disposable is $654 billion. And I could give you Canada and the UK, et cetera, but you're getting the idea. There's a lot of money here. So what we do is we create a frictionless user experience on the web as, as hospitality industry, you know, in the hospitality industry, we're all about guest experience, right? The guest experience now begins way before someone sets foot on the property. 90% of people begin their journey, their travel journey, doing research online. So we want to make sure people feel welcome from the moment they Google your name and People won't tolerate any friction on a website because there are so many choices out there, right? There are just, there's so much. So we want to create a, an amazing user experience to make sure that everybody is welcome at our hospitality property. And can you give examples of where you work with companies and where you started out and then you identified some of these gaps and actually what then happens without maybe mention, you don't have to mention names, but actually what kind of, you know, commercial wins do they have and guest experience wins would they have uh, as you've been working through the process of making their website more accessible? Absolutely. So what comes to mind is a glamping business. Um in the Sierra Nevada foothills in Northern California. <clears throat> and so they had two things. One, they had a website that was very inaccessible. It was old. Um, you know, I mean, old anymore is like six years. Right. And it hadn't been updated and, and it had had no accessibility work. And they also used a booking engine that was not accessible. So that's where a lot of problems happen. You might do all the work on your, on your website, but if your booking engine is not put in the work to be accessible, that creates problems. So we did, we made their site accessible. We made it compliant, WCAG 2.1 AA compliant. And then we worked with their booking engine. We audited their booking engine to help them get their booking engine compliant. And so what they started seeing, they started seeing, you know, immediately within three months, a huge 
uptick in bookings on their site as opposed to the you know the OTAs and the and you know Airbnb etc which is what they wanted they want to book through their site because they want more control uh, so they saw increased bookings on their site but what they also saw we also tweaked their brand a little bit they wanted they wanted to tweak their market a little bit so they needed some tweaks to their brand they wanted a lot more um, older you know older older adults they're they're a hugely sought after market. So we made sure that their site was accessible so that older adults, you know, again, could have this frictionless experience. And they started seeing a huge increase between the tweak in their brand, the making their site accessible. Uh, they started seeing a huge increase in the market that they wanted to be serving. And that's super interesting because I guess it's not, I, I think it's, I guess what you're saying is also there's like a process as you are continuously improving that website with that goal in mind you start to see these changes like like anything else absolutely it's it's you know you're testing right and you're changing and tweaking all the time and that's again is is making sure your brand is well defined and that include you know very much defining your brand is who's your target market and how do you speak to them etc and of course accessibility feeds right into that because accessibility an accessible website creates a better user experience for everybody let's get rid of this idea that an accessible website needs to be very boring and just black and white and you know go to my websites check out my website you'll see an accessible website can be gorgeous dynamic etc but um it improves the user experience and it improves the user experience for everybody. And I guess also like when people, you know, you mentioned a glamping uh, business here, whether that's like a group going, as you're saying, with like 25%, there's a big chance in any group going anywhere, if it's a hotel, restaurant, there will be somebody in that group that has a need that is beyond the average human being to have a disability of some kind so therefore actually you might miss out on groups to say well if that person doesn't feel comfortable about saying yes to that experience they will follow that person and say okay well so and so is not happy so we need to find a better solution i could all be down to the first touch point as you say with people good they google the business or the experience they're about to spend money on and especially in times we live in now where everybody's a bit strapped on, on, on living costs as well. So like really that choice becomes really important when people go out and spend money on experiences. Absolutely. And that is the thing people, you know, I, I, I do a lot of speaking at, pre at conferences, right? And so people will say, you know, I don't really know if I know anybody that, you know, needs this. And so I do, I do this exercise, right? Where I'm like, okay, who knows somebody who, and then you stand up if you know somebody who is, you know, has colorblindness, is, has ADHD, has epilepsy, has dyslexia, has autism, et cetera. The whole room ends up standing up and some people are raising, you know, legs and arms because they know multiple. And so the point is made exactly as you said, we're not always just buying for ourselves, right? We're buying for those people we love. Sometimes we're buying for a gift for a coworker. Some, it's much larger than just us. And so exactly the point you made, we're considering those people in our circle when we make buying decisions. What What is like, uh, you know, when you're seeing companies that's got this really right, and of course they, they, they get better business, get a better brain, is, do they also feel that then they, you know, have they got feedback from customers that said like, you know, 
it's great that you are much more accessible. It's a, it's actually feels like you're part of making, you know, the, maybe a very big thing, you know, making the world a better place because like, you know, seeing each other is one of the biggest thing in my view, seeing each other, understanding each other's needs are key to make the world a better place. Absolutely. Because it becomes part of our marketing, right? That we care about everybody's experience. And right now, you know, DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion is huge, which I'm so grateful for. And people are connected. People talk, right? Especially the disabled community, right? They're very connected. And if they have a great experience, they share that. And they are so brand loyal. It might be the most brand loyal market that is that is out there. It, you know, the disabled market. Because exactly what you said. You've shown you care. And then, you know, outside of the dis disabled market, people want to buy with socially responsible. They want to spend their money on socially responsible responsible companies, businesses. I mean, that is a huge movement, sustainability, et cetera. And, and accessibility is part of that. It's part of sustainability. It's part of being socially responsible. It's part of your corporate social responsibility policy, et cetera. And people want to spend on socially responsible businesses. Yeah, and it's very, very interesting because like um, lots of people I talk with always talk about uh, it's about in, in in Europe actually don't know how this movement is in, in in the US but actually about B Corp and getting these certification but actually you could do a lot of other things that actually is will make much more impact than you going through a certification process actually making sure that you hear and see people where they are and their needs in a way and and your website must be a key thing where you know that's the first step for everyone as we already said but what about like when i was an operator put my operator hat on what about compliance and stuff like that it's like there's hospitality business needs to be aware of that there's so much around compliance today as well as we're talking about you know we can bring in the the, the cyber crime word you know we've seen hospitality business now really getting hit by cybercrime we had a guy all called Matei on talking about cybercrime uh early in this early january here and um there's definitely challenges coming out on how you protect the consumer as well from cybercrime but is there anything when you talk about accessibility and seeing that compliance are changing as well from a you know from a government point of view as well about how you should build website and how accessible they should be in the EU, in the US, in Canada, it is legally mandated that websites are accessible. So that's huge. People don't know that. It's legally required that your site is accessible. Now, in the EU, they're going to start enforcing that in 2024. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's been stated in 2024, enforcement is going to be starting. In the United States, there are already the lawsuits, you know, we love our lawsuits in the U.S. <laughs> uh, and it's increased, you know, 1100% in the last two years because the pandemic, you know, really made that inequity just unacceptable for everybody. So, yes, there are compliance standards and it's going to be start being enforced. What is like, you know, you, uh, what are the, if you could take one thing around accessibility on the web, you know, I said that problem, I would love to see be solved. What, what would that be also with your, your own family connection to, to, to have a brother that disabled? What is like the one thing you really would love to see being solved tomorrow if you had a matching wand? Oh gosh. So I'm sorry, I'm going to say two. One would be keyboard, um, you know, being able to navigate, keyboard navigation, being able to nav navigate a website just with a keyboard, not a mouse. And that helps people who have, you know, maybe like 
have an injured hand, you know, they don't have a permanent disability. Maybe they injure their hand, et cetera, but it helps people that don't have fine motor. It could be somebody, an older person with trembling hands. Um, and then the second thing would be alt tags. No, I'm going to, alt tags are important. There are a lot of the low hanging fruit, important ones. Actually, what I'm going to say is being able to stop any movement on a website. It, you know, maybe a video starts, right? A lot of websites and that's great. Like it's fantastic, but we need to be able to stop it. Not only for people who are ADHD or epileptic. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but even for me, I don't have a registered disability. I cannot concentrate if there's movement somewhere that I, and I'm trying to read something. So again, it's a better user experience for everybody. We need to be able to stop any movement, have a mechanism to stop any movement on a website. Mm, super interesting. Uh, there's a couple of things there to to reflect on for for you guys out there. If you have a website, just just check if the, those two things are are possible. Um, and and what is it like? You know, you you also we go a bit into to you and you set up the business with a new direction. Like, what has been like one of your like you know significant learning the last couple of years as a as a human and business owner? as you have both changed direction for the business, you made a huge step change there. You've done this for 20 years now. You tell the team we're going direction, but also like just going through these times for, for any business owner and leader I meet has had like, you know, significant, something has happened inside them or something, or they are on the journey right now. Gosh, yeah, Michael, it's, I mean, I learned this a long ago, long ago, but the last, you know, the years of the pandemic have really amped up the truth of it. And that is that business is way more about relationships than transaction. It's about creating relationships with our guests and our employees and our vendors and our suppliers and showing kindness, genuine interest in people. What it, it's, it creates those relationships that are loyal reliable, collaborative, long-term. It's about relationship and kindness. And this sounds so cliche, but I mean, from every step, we just need to be kinder. And I'll be honest, Michael, I'm not a woo-woo-like kind of person. I'm just not, but kindness. Like I walk into the grocery store and the produce department looks amazing, right? And I say to the produce person, this looks so fresh and healthy. Thank you. Just tiny pieces, right? And he lit up. And then another produce person, they came in this big, you know, joke. And we started talking about him juggling, you know, the, 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 the tomatoes, you know, making jokes about things. And it just lightened just those tiny pieces of thank you and smiles. And they matter right now. I, our hearts are, our hearts are, our hearts are hurting. And I just think kindness can take us a long way. Yeah, and before we started the interview, we were talking a bit about like, you know, we hadn't touched space since I think it was August or something like that. And then, uh, you know, how's life? And, you know, we, we got into that conversation about, yeah, there's a lot going on, you know, like it's like this continuously process without being negative. We are just in one thing after the other. And actually we need as humans to adapt to that and actually be able to compute and actually dealing with the situation. It's really interesting you say, kindness i'm actually reading a book right now that is called the compassionated mind was actually all about how you're more kind to yourself and because i'm very interesting how you improve yourself or actually you know that actually often you're actually always pushing yourself as a business leader i need to get better the one percent improvement obstacle is the way but there's also the other side actually you need to give yourself time and and weave and move and accept that's actually okay sometimes not 
just to 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 force forward and that's that's what i hear what you say as well is there like um is there like things where you also said like okay uh to be to be kind i actually also need to change things in my life i actually need to set up different behaviors and habits to actually have the the headspace to be kind oh my gosh absolutely Absolutely. For me, one of the things I do to make sure I need spaciousness, Michael, even now more than ever, there's so much noise. I mean, with the pandemic, even though we all got quieter in one day way, things got noisier in other ways, right? Because we were just bombarded with, especially as business owners, you know, the email and the Slack and the, all the channels and the notifications and the, for me, I, I need spaciousness, despite the fact that I'm, you know, I'm a very driven business owner. I like to be bold and, you know, making big moves. I need spaciousness. And for me, that involves, I am fortunate enough to live in the Lake Tahoe area of California, Northern California, which is, I live in the forest. It's very beautiful every day. And I have this blocked out on my calendar. No, no, no meetings can happen at this particular time every day. My dogs and I, we hike down a river canyon to the American River, which is a stunning river, and then we hike back up. I need that. I, for me, it's nature. For other people, it's whatever. It's nature and exercise, especially with my dogs. I am a big dog person. And I, I, I mean, the, the, the creativity that happens in, those, in that hour and a half every day because I'm putting myself in a different mindset. I'm opening up, you know, it opens me up to possibilities, which I love because I can get very narrow in, you know, when I'm sitting at my computer, right? There's not, but it allows possibilities. It allows spaciousness in my head and in my heart. And from that is where I can be creative. I can be gentle. I can bring gentleness into my life, right? I can bring compassion like you were talking about. So that's what it is for me. I think we all honestly need to find what it is for ourselves and carve that out. Uh, super interesting. So is that also like, you know, and you go on that, you know, you know, uh, you need to find that space of silence to, 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 to get that, you know, freedom to think and not being on the screen was actually, it's a really interesting thing. And, uh, you know, before we actually had to go places and meet people, there's less of that. Of course, that has given us more time, but also I feel like there's much more, what do you call it? almost you need to digital deload in a different way because it's like we are doing now there's a lot of time with screens and just what i think about my day today i'll probably spend by already since you know probably five six hours in front of a screen and therefore my brain gets tired in a totally different way in the night and actually takes me longer time to rewind so if i i use running it's my thing so if i can just run 20 to 20 to 40 minutes every day i actually feel i get that but in, in that time also I have no, there's no cognitivity that you can't get hold of me I decide not to have a phone with me are you like very religious on that as well or are you still approachable in that one and a half hour well hiking down that canyon there's zero cell service okay so it's done for me which is good because I can get a little addicted to technology right I mean I can I can't as much as I don't want to be so uh, you know I, it's it's done for me and what you say is so true Michael because It used to be that, you know, we even had drive time between meetings right now. I end a meeting at nine on Zoom and at 9.01, I'm in another meeting. There is no brain relaxation. It's crazy. And I, and I had a person describe this to me the other week and it made so much sense. We used to have that drive time, you know, and maybe we'd throw in a little errand while we were there. And now it's just one after the other. It can be because of Zoom and I love it in some ways, but without building in that downtime, I become 
not a great business owner, not a great um, leader for my team, not a great, you know, mom to my dogs. I mean, all the things, right? I need that downtime. And and then you run a team as well. How how had you, uh, that's probably the question that comes very much in, in connection with you said that, not, how have you actually found out how to, to lead in that? And then actually, in, you know, and, and find that, you know, find that, you know, balance of things and, you know, I don't know if you are if you are already a hybrid team at that point. I guess are you become more hybrid, or were you already hybrid? How how did that work, and how do you manage this new era of a digital world with the the physical world? Yeah, we've always been virtual uh, since the very beginning. Um, I mean, back in the dial up days, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so for and I'm fortunate, and I have my team is all over the world. So, um, but it's the same thing. Oh my gosh. It was a lot more checking in with my team. How are you doing? Like that compassion, like taking the time. And for me, that can be challenging because again, I put my head down, I'm type A, you know, and I'm moving through my day and I'm efficient and all those things. And so as much as I have a huge heart, I can get really focused So I have to stop and remind myself, check in. People are struggling. My team is struggling. I've had some people have some serious health issues due to pandemic related, you know, anxiety and, you know, things that a lot of, you know, mental health that people struggled with. And so it was slowing down and just allowing that space of, of connection, conversation. How are you? How's your family? You know what, you know, because people are struggling. And then bringing levity and like, I want to, I joke, you know, I'm like, I, we get on, we get on team meetings and we're on zoom and there is, we're all checking in and we can say whatever. And it's a come as you are. Like if you just, it doesn't matter what you look like. It's a come as you are party. And, and, and there's the moments of, you know, like this heartfelt sincerity. And then there's the moments of we're laughing and we're joking and it's really allowing for that full spectrum of what people are going through and here and being present for it. Yeah, and I, I guess it probably helped you, as you said, you're already, already already a hybrid team before for this hit. But again, um, it's interesting to hear that actually, even though you were, you still had to meet people where they are. And that's actually our biggest job in, in anything we do. So so what is, uh, what is are you like from, you know, the business and maybe from a web accessibility point of view, what are you really excited about right now? Well, like what this is, the, this is one of the things that really drives me right now. And and I can see that really giving me purpose in, in, in what I do every day. What gives me purpose is I'm, in, I'm really starting to see people, uh, you know, we touched on this earlier, really embrace social responsibility in their businesses. And it looks different for because you can't take it all on, right? Like we can't take on all the things, but here's going to be my, people are focusing, right? And then they're, they're spreading their wings, but whatever it might be for them. And it's sustainability. Are they going to, you know, I just was meeting with a, um, a hotel in, um, on the coast yesterday and their big thing is sea turtles. And that's their focus. And that's what they're, you know, like part of their, you know, their profits go to, and they educate people when they show up at their hotel, right? Um, a little bit about this. And I spoke with a rafting company and they're all about rivers. Every time they take somebody down a river, they give them the option to write a letter, a postcard to a legislator talking about, hey, there's this dam going in, you know, like, we, you know, here are our thoughts about it or whatever. So they do education as well as creating these amazing experiences. And for me, that fires me up. 
let's bring in some of this, you know, some of the social responsibility aspects with the amazing experiences we're creating. And I think that's really, really interesting because like there's also like companies, it's not, not just selling experiences or products. And I totally agree with you. And it's good to see that movement actually. And lots of it is, you know, some of the best companies I see, they actually take that education part, really important. Like you, you have a great business in the US called Patagonia that talks about, you know, the impact clothes. And actually they're very, very, very honest about saying we are not perfect. There's still a lot of things we don't have right, you know, and then, but they talk about the zippers and they really educate you about the, the impact that uh, you know the the supply chain and clothing are doing, and you also have similar kind of businesses uh, that that will be talking about like what exactly matters that we fix the food system and and so on and so on. Yeah, Yvonne Chouinard, who you know started Patagonia, he is an absolute leader in exactly what we're talking about. And recently he, you know, announced that he was giving, I can't even remember the number of billions, like his whole family profit to environmental, um, you know, courses, yeah. yeah. He has been a leader since before it was the cool thing to do. You know, the seventies, he started black diamond. Anyways, I won't get into it, but you're exactly right. And this is becoming a movement. It's becoming, we want to spend, when I was just in Mexico a few months ago and we wanted to do some diving, etc. And we made sure that any company that we worked with had these values, that it was stated on their website, right? That they were giving back, etc. Because I'm really into spending money and like, you know, in supporting businesses, but I want to make sure that they, they, I share some values with them. So it becomes part of who we are as a brand, not just for the the, the marketing part of it, because it's where we've tapped into what's important to us. And then that passion spreads. Yeah. Yeah. And it is really interesting. Um, and I think a lot, a lot is about also you can't do everything, as you said, but like you have to make a choice on what is likely in, in, in your day to day. We can all do small things and our local community doesn't have to be saving. We don't have to be a Patagonia. It's like the extreme version of it, you know, like, and, and you might maybe get there one day, but actually if you just do your little bit and little by little, a little becomes a lot collectively. I think that's really powerful. And of course, choose a course that really goes close to your heart because then there's, there's a chance you will do it even when it's hard because you're connected to it. And that's just my comment. You're right. That passion starts coming out. And if, you know, your team feels it. you're exactly right. When you choose that one thing from your heart, it, 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 it reflects in your entire being and your entire business. Yeah. And it's about that legacy you can leave. Even if the business didn't continue, you might even touch some people that will go on whatever they do, because every, everything has a start and an end. I always say what, what in that connection, what would be your like top advice for, for business owner? Because lots of this podcast is all about building great businesses to make results, but also makes positive impact on people, society, and the planet. What would be your like, you know, number one top advice to be to leaders out there that want to build a business that does that? So, I guess for any business owner, right, especially if you want to be a force for good, um, but for any is, well, to find a mentor, absolutely find a mentor. And I call it do it scared, right? Um, I heard I had a colleague say, if I don't go to bed every night, at least a little bit scared, I know I'm not being bold enough uh, because there is a lot of fear in being an entrepreneur, right? And being a business owner, being a business manager, whatever it might be but we do it anyways. And we're not always, sometimes we're going to, we're going to crash and burn. And a lot of times we are going to become 
we're going to be cutting that edge, right? Because we're winning. So I say, you know, manage your fear, learn to manage your fear and absolutely find a group of peers and a mentor. Yeah, that, that's great advice because, yeah, you need them when you hit that line of where you you sometimes want to quit and uh and you maybe actually when it gets really hard my my own experience is like you're actually very close to a breakthrough on the other side that's a great yes because like sometimes that's the last little shake before you get to the the next level and then you start a new journey and i think that's that's the thing you're never done um is there like a one question, uh, Denise? You wish I've asked you in this conversation, and uh, what would that question be, and what would you have answered? Um, that's a good question. It's a little bit, well, it's more a question that I get asked all the time. It's a little bit different than what we've been talking about, but I get asked all the time by hospitality businesses. Well, I have a management company that actually manages my, you know, website, and you know, so who's responsible for accessibility, right? I it's more like they're just handing it off to them. And what I tell people is that management companies do not have their finger on the pulse of accessibility. They just don't, they aren't trained in it. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of management companies are telling their, you know, their clients that they're compliant. Um, I don't think they're being purposely deceptive. Like they're just not trained in it. So, and you are responsible. If it's your website, it doesn't matter if somebody else is managing it, you're responsible for the whole journey. For accessibility. So, you know, bring on an accredited expert, have your site audited so that you actually know where your strengths are in accessibility and where you need to, you know, lean into some improvement. That's, that's, that's a really interesting question because sometimes, you know, it's not, you know, people say it's not my problem, but it's your responsibility. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so and I'm almost thinking that as like something maybe you haven't even thought about. I think that was a really, really, really good question, especially for people that work with number of stakeholders in their organization and actually where does the responsibility actually lie for that? Um, is there is there like I I would love to hear as well because it seems like also you are you're you're on you that how do we actually you know um want people to reach out to you if they had questions about accessibility on the web and is there any information you want to share with them here in the end that they could uh, go and get where besides you know visit your website you already said that but like what else this is there something we need to to share with the world yeah well of course accessdesignstudio.com and what we have on there which i love it's so fun we created this infographic and i mean who doesn't love an infographic right i love infographics we created this really fun infographic that you can download. It's complimentary and it's full of accessibility information and stats. And, you know, like in the U.S., you can get a $5,000 tax credit for working on website accessibility. So it's it's full of all kinds of like who you, you know, who who's the market, et cetera. And it's just fun. We've created it in a really fun way. So um, if you go to that's again, access designs, access design and I am always open to hopping on a call with anybody to answer questions, to let you know, you know, people think, I think my site's accessible. I was told it was accessible. We can hop on a call, complimentary, and I'll let you know if it is or not. I mean, I, my goal is equal access. However we get there, let's get there together. Together. Great, Denise. I send power and energy to your team on your very, very beautiful mission of making the web more accessible for, for everyone. 
Thank you. And it's been so fun today, Michael. You are a great host and you ask great questions. I really appreciate that you're listening in. So if you enjoyed today's conversation, please share with others, rate or give a review or subscribe to one of our channels, which all can be done via the website hospitalitymavericks.com. I believe that reading the right books is key to become a better leader. So I've helped you with a curated list of some of the best books to improve yourself, others, and the organization. Find them on hospitalitymavericks.com. A big thank you to BizSimply for supporting us, bringing great insights, strategies, and tools to help leaders to become better every day. Check them out at bizsimply.com or on their socials at bitsimply or bitsimplyhq. You can also email them directly at podcast at bitsimply.com. Thank you to Fina Charlson, who is the show producer from the podcast Collective. If you have any ideas and feedback for the show or other thoughts, reach out to me via LinkedIn or via my email, michael at hospitalitymavericks.com. I'm Michael Tinkser, and you've been listening to the Hospitality Maverick podcast show. Be Maverick.